Hello, this is Kim Davis welcoming you to another one-on-one podcast. And our guest today, a familiar face, he was with us earlier in the year, in fact in the, the hot days of the summer, it's David Meikle. Welcome back, David. Thank you very much, good to be here. <laughs> Welcome to an ice, ice cold New York. It's a little bit chillier, yes. It's a little bit chillier. Now, last time you were here, um, you were talking about your, your new book, How to Buy a Gorilla, uh, and that gave us um, a lot of fun talking about the concepts in there. But you're on this trip uh, for a different reason. You're talking to people about kind of a different subject, but one which is still of importance to marketers uh, and other functions within the enterprise, and that's procurement. That's right, yes. So um, how do you start thinking about that? Well, it, it's, a, it's an integral part of the whole How to Buy a Gorilla model, um, because what well, How to Buy a Gorilla... Um, does is it reconciles the divergent interests of marketers, procurement and agencies um, and focuses them on value. So this week I had been invited by the Association of National Advertisers, the ANA, and the World Federation of Advertisers, the WFA, to present to their financial management committee. So um, what I wanted to do for them was give them a, a, a fresh perspective on where procurement can go from here. Because procurement comes under fire a lot of the time um, in media, a lot of the time um, in business, um, from agencies and marketers alike. Um, and no one's setting out to to um, do a bad job, um, and therefore um, one has to be agnostic to the noise and just look at the business problem and see how my how to buy a gorilla thinking can help, which is what I was here to do. Okay, now you're talking just before I hit record about um, we're now in the, into the third wave of procurement. So take us through how procurement has developed? That's kind of how I described it, yes. I mean, procurement um, 50 years ago was a fairly um, obscure service department, but it was made famous in the 60s because it was the saviour of the US automotive industry. So um, suddenly, by using some uh, procurement buying strategies and negotiation strategies, steel became a lot, lot cheaper, and they set target pricing, and steel companies dropped their prices, and the, the car business was saved. And then, of course, management started thinking, hey, where else can you do that? So procurement as a, as a business moved out of what we would call direct procurement, which is buying the materials or goods or crops or whatever it is for the product that you're selling into what's described as indirect procurement, which is other business services such as, you know, IT or fleet or marketing. Yeah. So they they will go via procurement or they would uh, get their spending processed through procurement. That's right. And and what I've described as the third wave is that the, the first wave was why don't you have a look at marketing um, and really getting procurement getting their heads around what marketing is and, and what it does um, and achieving a level of competence in terms of you know rationalising rosters and, and, and so on. And then the second wave was um, gaining proficiency in marketing, but that was based on benchmarking agency fees, for example, and and, um, turning over rocks for transparency and consolidation of spend and so on. But the third wave needs to go beyond all of this and I think needs to be much more strategic. And that's what I was um, proposing to the ANA. 
now, as a humble editor, the kinds of things I procure are things like freelance articles or images. I don't go much beyond that. But obviously, uh, for marketing, especially for larger businesses, and I think we are talking about larger businesses for the most part here, um, procurement, I can see uh, applying to a, a range of services. There's procuring creative services, procuring mm -hmm. agency services. I mean, am I on the right track? Is, is there more to it? Absolutely. It's a, it's a very complex um, world. And what's interesting is that, is that the more I learn about the procurement discipline, the more respect I had for it, because it has a lot of very intelligent, very useful models by which we can better buy what we buy. So, for example... Um, Back in, I think, the 1950s or 60s, a chap called Kraljic um, devised a directional policy matrix that, depending upon the, um, the market saturation of the market that you're buying from and depending upon your buying power, you would employ different strategies. So what I've done is I've, I've modified that slightly in my book to say if you have two different variables, one is the... the, the the, the value of the of the services that you procure, where you know a tin of beans is of finite value, yeah. and an advertising idea is of highly variable value. Yes. And the other axis is buying power. So if you're a really important client, then your buying strategy is different to if you're a fairly unimportant client. Yeah. Um, and by employing different buying strategies, whereby one recognises either this is a seller's market or a buyer's market or a market where that relationship needs to be symbiotic. We need to change our behaviours, change our negotiation strategies, change the amounts we want to pay right. depending upon those conditions. Um, I think part of the problem has been that um, historically uh, procurement have been incentivised to save. Sure. Now... That's fine when it comes to print production, for example, mm. because with it, with print production, it's finite value. Um, so if I get the right ad on the in the right paper on the right day, I can't add more value to that. And in fact, doing it correctly yeah. is my entry point to the market. However, if it's a strategy that leads to a, a, a creative idea that then sells exponentially more products than they had done before, then that's that doesn't have quality measures. And I right. think that one of, the, one of the, the perception mistakes that have been made by marketers and procurement is that research, um, so, so strategic research or creative research or proposition research, gives them a quality measure. But my argument is it gives you a quality measure for what you've bought. It doesn't give you a quality measure for what you might have bought, but you didn't see because you didn't spend enough money. Interesting. You don't know what you don't know, I think, is yeah. the expression. <laughs> yes. Now, this implies, uh, to me, logically, um, a certain price elasticity as well, because if it was just the case that, uh, talk about creative, there's some great creative out there, and there's some average and some poor creative, yeah. and they're all priced about the same, then it's easy. You just go for whichever one you want. But as you described as a challenge, it suggests that um, oftentimes to get the really good stuff, you're going to have to spend a bit more. And that might not be in procurement's DNA. I, I think that's exactly right, and that's where I was encouraging them to go. Um, the thing is that when you're investing in the solution to a problem which has unlimited possible solutions, you can pay the smallest amount, which is the critical mass of getting somebody to do something for you, <laughs> right. or you can pay... 
to a point of diminishing return whereby if you throw more money at it you're not going to get any more value from the problem being solved so somewhere someone needs to make a value judgment between critical mass and diminishing return and my argument is that your business condition i.e. if you're in a a market with a high capacity for growth and you've got market leading share Mm. you don't want to be divesting from that you want to be making sure that what you're investing in is mining is basically uh, uh, the, the 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 danger of of diminishing return is far less than the danger of compromised creative. Yeah. So actually, the idea with that kind of business problem, which is what I describe as a guerrilla business problem, yeah. um, is that you want to invest heavily so that you get the best consumer insights that you can then develop into the best possible work and you can ex- execute in the most appropriate and best possible way. Whereas if you're saying, ah, we don't really want to kind of keep going that far with insights, then you'll get what you pay for. Yeah. And the gorilla idea, as I recall it, is that not for every marketing or advertising idea, but often enough, it's going to be worth taking a big risk and buying the gorilla in the room. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I, and, and, and risk and return is, is um, a, a major theme in my book and was a major theme in the discussion that we had on Tuesday at the ANA because I think that there is a, uh, a misconception that marketing is a cost mm. and it isn't. Most right. of marketing is an investment and it's more complicated than just the fact that all of your marketing expenditure is expected to deliver a return greater than the principal because within that there are things which are hard costs and they are undesirable so like downstream production of duplication distribution printing for example if we don't have to print all the better if it's digital it's cheaper there are all sorts of things that we would avoid as costs and then there are things that we want to spend on which are investments and I think that the the third wave of procurement is to better differentiate between those and to recognise that it's not wise to be incented on savings from investments because that would be like saying I'm incentivizing um, investing less in my pension. You can invest as much or as little as you like but actually depending upon the pension and the return that you want you have to consider how much to invest. Yeah. Likewise risk plays a big part of that because if you want to reduce your investment then the only way to get the same or a higher return is by increasing your risk. Um, so one of the, in, in the procurement world, the procurement job is twofold. One, um, governance of spend, and yeah. two, management of risk. But actually what's different is whereas in most other categories of procurement, risk is something that you want to mitigate to the greatest degree possible. Sure. In marketing, sometimes you actually want to take a huge risk because that's your best strategic option. And that's where the counterintuitive nature of um, procurement and marketing can potentially clash. I think you're explaining really well why this is a challenge, because clearly if you're procuring office furniture or paper towels, (laughs) you don't want to take risks. That's not a great deal of risk. No. The chairman might not like it, (laughs) but... 
But this this is allied to this new way of looking at marketing. I suppose it's not that new now, but relatively new. That it's not just an unfortunate cost which you have to endure for sales to do their job. It's actually a way of building a brand, driving a brand, That's right. and now increasingly these days building a community of consumers who are aligned with the brand and investing in it. And there you might want to take some chances. That's right. And I think the other thing that, that was really important that um, I, I noticed got a lot of um, attention on Tuesday is the, is the concept that I presented to them that there is a cost-to-value ratio which is misunderstood. And what I mean by that is that there are certain aspects of the marketing spend upon which other parts of the marketing spend and the effectiveness of other parts of the marketing spend depend. Ah. So, for example, I'm doing a lot of work with the Market Research Society in the UK at the moment, um, and if you were to divest from market research by hammering down the costs or doing uh, reverse online auctions to get the lowest possible bidder on strategic problems like market segmentation mm. study or usage and attitude studies, if you were to do that, then actually everything else that you spend on marketing is dependent on the integrity of that small space. However, yes. its relative importance is usually ascribed to how much it costs rather than how much the rest of the campaign depends on it. But not only does the effectiveness of all of the other spend, so say you're spending you know, $30 million or, or $100 million behind this brand, it's actually not the $100 million that's contingent on it, it's the return on the $100 million that's contingent on it. So everything is contingent on it. So, okay. so as soon as you frame a, a, a criticality to the integrity of a small spend, then... The, the, the need to mitigate risk is one where, no, actually, <clears throat> we're going to think very differently about where we're looking for savings. <laughs> because the last thing we want to... If you can imagine you, you're driving a rally across the Sahara, mm. do you want to buy a bit of the map or do you want to buy the whole map? <laughs> and, and, you know, something like market research is the map. Yes. So, um, and that was really interesting because that, that, that's the key for creativity as well. I mean, you can, if, you, if you do a, a poor piece of creative work, then you have to massively overspend in whichever media you use for it to be sufficiently effective. Yes, to push um, it, that's the content challenge, so, yeah. Exactly, so to, so to consider cost-to-value ratios was um, a, a, a very useful part of the discussion right. and something that went on long into the night. <laughs> well, that brings me to the practical question which I see coming out of this, and some of our listeners might be saying, well, what do we do? Because surely this implies some education for procurement or for whichever function in your organisation is responsible for procurement in these issues and in these challenges for marketing. Procurement has to understand that it's not like buying furniture. They do, um, and and I can't help but think that that's the best opportunity for me to create a sales pitch here, because and I, I honestly didn't ask for it, um, but yes, that's that's one of the reasons why I do training services and okay. I do consultancy services, so that I can go into an organisation, many of whom I spoke to on Tuesday, yep. and talk about how we can change processes and change behaviour in order to better deliver those high value outcomes by thinking differently about what our priorities are and by starting with the business problem and the risk profile of the 
brand, its category, its competitive set, and, yeah. and, and its market share. And you have to bring procurement to the table for this, presumably. 100%. Procurement's a reality that everyone's got, got to live with, and, and many marketers and many agencies might wish that it weren't, but that's like wishing that we didn't ever have rain. There's no point in shouting at the rain. What you need to do is figure out how you're going to work with it so that you're still going to deliver the best value that you can. Well, no rain here, but I think we have snow coming on Saturday. Ah, <laughs> I shall be gone. David, thank you. That's a great perspective on something I think not all of our, all of our listeners might be thinking about. So it's really useful. Thanks, Thanks. very much indeed.